0: You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment.
1: You are about to see, you are about to see. That
0: belongs in a museum. You are about to see the first public
1: exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment.
0: That belongs in a museum. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Treasury Cast, the show that celebrates the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and joining us once again is my pal Henry Bernstein. Hi, Henry. Welcome back. Hi, Rob. Great to be back. Thank you so much for I. We, the last time you were here, your first appearance on Treasury Cast, we talked about a Superman treasury. So you're back to talk about another Superman treasury. <laughs> For some reason, it felt like the last time you were on was like a couple of months ago. It was two years ago. Oh I looked God. it up. It was June of 2021. I was like, oh, my God, time means nothing. And no, it's like, a
2: flat circle. Time it is really is. Circle.
0: So, oh, my goodness. So uh maybe it's because we've recorded a bunch together on right. other shows or something. Right. But it just, I right. don't know. It felt like we, I was a little like, geez, are we doing Superman again so soon? And I'm like, oh, we did it two years ago. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> we're all good. Um We're here to talk about Limited Collector's Edition number C38. It's simply called Superman. There is no subtitle or any theme like that, although there is a theme to this book which will be revealed shortly uh it was a dollar again, of course, you could see you know all the all the um graphics from it on the gallery post on our website finewaterpodcast.com. dot com so no Henry, I know for a fact that you did not have this treasury up until very recently, correct that is correct
2: yeah as we as we just found out uh before we came on uh March third I picked it up <laughs> this year, so yeah, just a couple months ago. um Yeah, Treasuries for me, you know, it's it's something I that was sort of like a thing in the distance for me as a comic reader. And I always see them in the shop and sort of wonder what they were because I, I, I started reading comics in like the late '80s, early '90s. Sure, right. They were already... yeah. they were gone before you ever started reading. Yeah, comics. and and then it, truly it was this show when you did a superman the movie one superman the movie part uh superman 2 i think and uh i really fell in love with this show and then sort of got interested in treasuries like what is this
0: thing so um yeah (laughs) that's fantastic but you told me that you got this from your your deal your lcs for six dollars yeah i i want to give
2: a shout out actually to chicago comics if you're ever in chicago this is my favorite comic book shop and it's a place i've been going for 20 years um had a like a little a hiatus during the new 52 era so like 2011 and 2015 but 16 but um it's my my shop and i happened to be in there a couple months ago getting my wednesday books of course the only superman books where i buy floppies of the only books i buy floppies of are superman everything else i do digital and i really should just be doing that digital at this point but Kind of a hard habit to break. So uh, I was in there and they happened to be this. You, you had already told me this. You were going to be covering this issue and it happened to be sitting up there. They have like a bunch of um treasuries displayed over their back issues and with various pricings. You know, they have the Shazam one and uh you know other things like that. So anyway, I picked it up. It said it was $12. I was like, great. That's an when amazing I, price. It's an incredible price already. And then yeah. when they rang me up. They said, you know, we, we gave you this one for six because you're such a good Superman customer.
0: (laughs) That is amazing. You can't get any treasury comic now for six bucks. I've never
2: seen one. I mean, yeah, it was, it was incredible. They, and, and it was really nice of, it was sort of like, you get reminded of why you stick with a store for so mm -hmm, long. You know, mm -hmm. it's like that sort of the, the heart of small business kind of thing that like, I don't get things from there for free often. I, you know, probably never, I always, I you know, I support them and I buy things from them. So like once in a while, you know, you get a nice uh, gift for your good, good deeds of, of um supporting them. So that, it was really nice.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's probably something that, you know, has been sitting on that shelf for like years. They probably right. never moved it. <laughs> so they were like, well, look, I, we can either sell it for not, you know, I mean, again, even if you'd gotten it for 12, that would have been amazing. Because if you go to eBay, like every treasury now, unless it's in absolutely beat you know, run over by a truck condition, is twenty, twenty five dollars. Wow. Like the, the prices of old just gone Whoop! even smurfs. Welcome has back, that Cotter, been- Annie, has-
2: you know. Wow. Has that been parallel to this podcast nah, have you yes. have you driven I, up the price of the I, aftermarket prices i hope not i want
0: <laughs> people to own these things i don't i don't want them to just put them in bags and right. seal them up you know there's right, supposed to be, right. be read. so well that that is awesome i'm so glad that you have a physical copy of it so before we get to the stories uh in this issue there's five superman stories i want to talk about the cover a little bit it's a photo cover where you've got Superman and a kid, and a kid is riding him looking very thrilled. Of course, he's getting on a ride from Superman in front of the, a photo of the Statue of Liberty. And this book went on sale actually July 3rd, 1975. So just before the July 4th holiday. So it's kind of the perfect time for this cover. Now, Mike's Amazing World says the cover is by Bob Oxner and fellow network all star Chris Franklin has a much better eye for this than I do. I think I'm pretty good at it, but he's better than me. So maybe he can show me that I'm wrong, but to me, this looks like it was at least penciled by Neil Adams, maybe inked by Bob Oxner, but it, to me that kid's face looks like a Neil a Neil Adams exactly kid. it's the face yeah yeah that's what gives really? it away for sure it's okay you think you' you're thinking it's Neil Adams as well
2: you know I was when I was going through also Mike's amazing world, thank you for sending me the the link. I also was looking through it and it's Bob oxner no, that's not. Especially because Boxer did a lot of those, um, those, those super friends issues. So like his style is distinct. Yeah. And it was not this. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's right. It's somebody inking Neil Adams, but to me that that kid's face is just like, that's absolutely Neil Adams. Now as a, as an image, I love it because this yeah. is, re- this is a Superman of a bygone era, you yes. know, where he's a friend to children. He's not scary you right. know smash the ground when he lands superman it's it's right. fun but he's taking the kid on the ride around the statue of liberty how can he beat right. that
2: it's beautiful i love it it's yeah and it's kind of one of those yeah i'm also a sucker for just sort of the uh, classic you know what you'd call the classic look of superman and i've i think i've said this before on one of your shows superman with kids is a win for me mm-hmm. always um you know when you see a group of kids around superman so this is uh taking a kid for a ride love that and we get some you know kid stories in this in this one too well
0: yeah that's the that's the the theme of this issue again it doesn't say it anywhere uh kind of until the inside back cover oddly enough but yeah the theme of this issue is superman with kids all the stories will revolve around superman interacting with young people in some capacity so as i mentioned there's five five stories in this comic plus a bunch of really fun bonus features so i'm going to cop to it right now everybody the story synopses that i'm going to be reading for all five of these stories come from mike's amazing world i edited them a little bit to to fit more the way i talk you know worse grammar and more stuttering but nevertheless i just did not have it in me to write this many story synopses especially when it comes to golden age silver age stories where they packed Fifty pages of plot I know. in like nine pages. I just couldn't do it, so I was this stole an, these from Mike's Amazing World.
2: Was this an unusually long um, treasure treasury, or is it just that those stories in the middle sort of made it feel that way?
0: I think that it, no, this is the normal length of the treasuries okay. at the time sixty. Okay. They normally fit five stories, but these okay. these Superman ones, the middle ones especially, we'll get quite, to them. Quite are, laborious, are a little laborious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So, okay. So let's get to the first one. It's called Autograph, Please. It's from Superman number 48, and it's by Jerry Siegel and John Sekella doing the art. In a bid to boost circulation, the Daily Planet holds a contest for the best autograph collection. An orphan named Johnny Terrell enters the contest and takes the early lead, but then rich boy Alexander Breckenridge decides to enter as well. He uses his money and connections to get autographs unfairly. Superman then decides to step in and help Johnny. The Man of Steel is able to acquire many rare autographs but Alexander's tactics are allowing him to pull ahead. Superman then travels back in time to get the autographs of George Washington, Abe Lincoln, Paul Revere, and other figures from history. When he returns, he discovers that Alexander's bodyguards are using the signatures to forge checks. Lois Lane is able to clear Alexander of any involvement, but the experience changes his outlook. He gets Superman's autograph and turns it in for Johnny, Breaking the tie between them, Johnny then wins the contest. All right, Henry, what did you think of this story?
2: Okay, so first of all, the how like 2023 is it to read a comic about chasing autographs and like doing border borderline unethical things to get (laughs) the autographs? Like, there's a whole conversation right now on wrestling Twitter, Rob, about professional wrestling Twitter about. The way fans interact with wrestlers in the airport and like, especially female wrestlers Mm -hmm. and like, it's, you know, and in the service of just getting all of their crap signed so that they can immediately sell it on eBay. And a lot of wrestlers are now pushing back a little bit and posting videos and being like, I'm sorry, we're not going to do this. Like, I will only sign for your kid now. And sure. You know, and, and people acting like sending their kids to go get like all kinds of bad behavior. Yeah, the yeah. fact that Superman would travel through time to do something while questioning the ethics already <laughs> was, was quite shocking to me. So, um, yeah, you know, I enjoyed it the way I enjoy a golden age story. There's much more than the silver age. It, the thing is I enjoy Jerry Siegel's writing. Mm-hmm. um and Siegel's still writing at this point and that that was a little confusing to me because i know he went to war in 43 and then uh but he, i guess he continued writing them till 47 so like i was a little hazy you know they don't really credit him already right. at this point yeah. like and and then with the art this um John Sakella i assumed was was in the Schuster studios as one of his, cause he was drawing Superman all the way back to as early as Superman number 12 in 1941. So like, I'm just a little fascinated. We, I think we talked about this before also on one of your Superman podcasts. I'm, I'm a little fascinated with sort of the timeline of Siegel and Schuster and especially how brief it was and certainly how tragic it was. It's just, I don't know. It's all interesting to me is what I'll say. So
0: that's that's sort of the background. I mean, overall, yeah, I, it was enjoyable. It was stupid. <laughs> it was I, I I love the idea that an autograph contest would somehow boost circulation for a newspaper. <laughs> I think that's a fun idea. I love that like it's got Perry White, Lois and Clark, like just sitting in his office. Hatching ideas on how to boost <laughs> circulation, which is like kind of borderline unethical. Like uh, they're you know? reporters.
2: Like, don't they have a communications director at the? Daily yeah, why have they? Business right, Institute exactly. Or a
0: circulation
2: chief, or a PR. Rep, you know, like, why is, per- I mean, I could get again, if Perry, you know, like the, the planet would send Perry to go do something for promotion. Like, Perry, you're going to go speak at the Elks Lodge, right. you know, right. about, about journalism, right? Like, I could see that in 1941, but like, for the three of them to be sitting around, like, oh, I, I need a, get me Lane and Kent, we're going to, we're going to boost the paper <laughs> circulation. Like, you know, and, and I, and it's weird that he uses, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Apologies to Jerry Siegel. You invented these guys. It's not weird that you're doing this. However, it to me it felt weird that he's like, Lois Lane and Clark Kent are here to you know that he says to Jimmy and he uses their full names. Like, why wouldn't he just say Kent Lane and I are in here boosting mm-hmm. circulation? I don't know. That was just an odd choice to me. So yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you think of the work of John Sakela? Fine.
2: I uh among all of those Schuster-esque guys, I thought he was very competent. Like I, I, it it fit with the style, you know, it felt like I was reading a 1940, uh, 47 Superman, Superman story where like, it looks a little like Schuster, Mm -hmm. but it's a little more refined. The inks are a little heavier. Um, but the essence of what Schuster is trying to go for and sort of that larger than life, but, um, anatomically maybe exaggerated, but sort of proportionally correct style of his. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I think it has a lot of energy to it. It's—I'm not going to say it's as slick as say uh, Dick Sprang was over on Batman. Batman, his style was like m- much smoother and kind very of crisp, more cohesive. Yeah. Very crisp. Yeah. This is not that, but it, it just there's there's just a ton going on. I mean, every page has like seven panels, and Superman's like eh, 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 like he's one panel he's flying in this direction, another panel he's flying in another direction. Like it, it's just it does have that '40s kind of rat-a-tat-tat yes vibe to it and then yeah. you can imagine they're all talking hey can't get in here what do you say right. get those autographs like that kind of that sort of thing so i really enjoyed it i mean yes it is like wow superman is using his one of his greatest powers to time travel <laughs> for this pretty penny annie race like yeah you know, like and i love the fact that uh, he can interact with george washington and Abe lincoln and they're not they're not like what the hell is They're
2: the, like, oh, Superman's here yeah. basically <laughs> <laughs> don't know him,
0: you know yeah. like, like, okay. like, Superman's kind of, like it gives the vibe
2: I, throughout Superman's history I mean the fifties you know there there was there was a worse with this in the sixties too, but like the idea that Superman just goes and try time travel sometimes. I wonder if it's one this is one of the earliest times he did that actually i I don't know you know, uh Michael Bailey would be a better person to to ask on that, but maybe this is one of his early time travel things and he did it for, um, but uh, yeah, I definitely have a, have a note that this time travel stunt is definitely unethical. And like, how does it not mess with the timeline? It definitely violates the prime directive. Like it's, so, you know, and Lois's meanwhile, his reaction to him is he's wonderful. That's one of her lines. (laughs) I like that. She's not mean to Clark in this, in this, in this issue, which, Siegel kind of went to a lot. So, yeah. you know, I, well, I, I, can I actually share something personal about this? I'm sure if you it's want sort of a, a tangential connection to my family. So in it, when in one of the early celebrity autographs, Superman gets is from the comedian and actor, uh, Danny Kay.
0: Yes. And, and they're, they're in the cut. They're in the strip. Like they, they're,
2: they're drawn in as real people. Exactly. So, um, my family has a, a connection to Danny Kay. Um, my grandfather, Sam Lesnar, was the movie and nightclub critic for the Chicago Chicago Daily News, um, wow. until it closed in in, in the 70s. And uh, it was the afternoon paper in Chicago. It was eventually bought by the Chicago Sun-Times, I think, which has since been bought by NPR, uh, WBEZ. But anyway, um, he was the nightclub club critic for years and years and years. And one of his early reviews was of Danny Kay here in Chicago and he like gave him a really positive review and kind of got his career, um, going, um, you know, from a night at like Mr. Kelly's or something in Chicago or one of those, uh, nightclubs. And so I was just like heartwarmed to see that. I was like, Oh, I know Danny K. My grandpa reviewed him. So it was just That's anytime, fantastic. Anytime I see Danny i I'm really, uh, and if, so if you ever want to learn more about Sam Lesnar, uh, who was a wonderful critic and, and my grandpa, um, you know, Google him. Uh, my 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 mom and my aunt wrote a book about him. So <laughs> Oh my
0: goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. I love Danik. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I love that they just show up. Yeah. I love when, I love when real life celebrities interact with Superman. Like that's yeah. just fun to me. I'm like, it's hi, super Superman. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Danny Kaye is hanging out with Superman. Okay. That's good. Cool. Yes. Who knew Superman was such a star effer, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they'd make this now. Selfies, please would be the right. story of all these right. people trying to get pictures. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. it's kind of amazing stuff. So yeah, I, I really did enjoy this story and it's, and it's an inherent goofiness. So, but speaking of goofy, uh, the next story, the, The Juvenile Delinquents from Space from Action Comics number 315, written by Leo the Dorf Dorfman and drawn by Jim Mooney. Two boys from Alpha Centauri, oh boy, visit Earth in a spaceship. (laughs) They begin exploring Metropolis and use advanced scientific equipment, which brings them to Superman's attention. The Man of Steel finds the boys and agrees agrees to give them a guided tour until they decide to go home. While the boys sleep, Superman constructs a reminder of their home. When they wake up, they see the replicas and become homesick. Superman bids them farewell as they head back into space aboard their ship. Superman then discovers that escaped convict Slash Saber has stowed away on their vessel. The Man of Steel takes off into space in an attempt to find the boys and protect them from Slash. Okay, Henry, I'm going to admit something right now. And I'm not an expert on this stuff. So, you know, it's not like I've read a million of these stories. but But from my history of reading Treasury Superman editions... And other reprints. This era of Superman is like my least favorite Superman. Because anything can happen. Anything. And often does. And often does. And it's to the point where it becomes... I mean, yes, I realized the first story had Superman going back in time to meet Abe Lincoln to get an autograph. That's pretty crazy. But to me, the minute Superman kind of gets into the sort of space age, every story to me reads like, oh... An alien has arrived, but he's dressed as Monel, but he's not Monel. He's a robot duplicate of Monel who wants to marry Lois. So I have to go back in time to get a dinosaur who will then dress as Jimmy Olsen. And it's like to me, I'm like, what the are we talking about? Like, I just get lost in the and this. As much as I'm loath to admit, as a fifty year old man, and I'm reading a story meant for children, like three pages in, I was like, I okay, okay like, like just, I, stuff's it, just gonna happen
2: did, yeah I, and i don't know how closely you read if you want to admit i appreciate you admitting something i will admit by the time we got to the second issue of this i was not reading it as closely as <laughs> i should have in terms of prep prep for this podcast my eyes are sort of glossed over i mean it, it, it's almost like a lot of that 60s superman stuff and you know I'm, leo Do- dorfman i'm not familiar with your work Uh, But I'm sure you're a very good writer. Jim Mooney, not familiar with him either. However, he has a lot of Superman credits. His art sort of looks like this, like, swan slash boring. But maybe that was just sort of this, quote, Superman house style. Yes, it was. Yeah, he did a lot of
0: Supergirl work as well, Jim. Okay.
2: All right. So, uh, I mean, in on page 16 he does Superman is incredulous that there are kids from outer space. He is from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I, and I know that not all the Superman stories were like this, like not every, because right. lo, the lowest lane stories were slightly more grounded. I guess right. If right. that's even a term for it. But I just, and I just started to wonder, I'm like, did they like, w- was it that in the fifties, Sci fi movies were the rage, you know, like monster yeah. movies were out and sci- yeah. so it was just, okay, that's what kids want to see is yeah. space aliens. Yeah. And so we're yeah. going to have Superman just encounter the craziest shit every single story. And yeah. I just got to get like, oh my God, I don't, it, it's just like, oh, I mean, it's drawn fine. I like Jim Mooney, but it, I did just kind of these, t- these two characters, Ziggy and Zaggy, I just got, oh, all right. could have been the Wonder Twins. Don't care. Yeah. They don't care about I, them.
2: I just, they yeah. were annoying. I, uh, did you read? Uh, I know you don't read much modern stuff, but have you read Superman Space Age by Mark Russell and Mike Allred? I have not. Okay, ha- have you heard about it?
0: I have heard about it, and that's okay. a great combo of writer artist. Certainly,
2: yeah. You should
0: you should check it out. It sort
2: of saves the the '60s era. It like it's three issues, and it's wonderful. Oh wow! Um, okay, All right. but it, but yeah. I mean this this era is just. I don't go back and look for the. You know, it's not even like the seventies where there's wacky stuff happening, but it's in metropolis. Like mm-hmm. it's just all this goofy stuff. Yeah. I, I, I found it like, like I said, pretty laborious and, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, <I just> <laughs> and unfortunately, unfortunately that about it. Unfortunately, the, this is a two parter. Yeah, oh so, God. Uh, I know. I couldn't they, believe it. I they was they like, decided to do both parts in this, in this treasury because it I, continued I, on to action. Number three sixteen when it's when i when i read it i was like and it ended on a
2: sort of a cliffhanger i was like oh that's sort of an odd choice for a treasury to to have a cliffhanger and then it went to the next yep I was like oh they're continuing this there's more Oy vey. like yeah. <laughs> and and that's when my eyes started glossing over <laughs> Yes, yeah, a
0: little bit a little bit so let, let's let's work our way through it as best we can so the the story this one is called the part 2 is called ziggy and zaggy's trap for superman also by Dorfman and Mooney. So Superman follows Ziggy and Zaggy back to their home planet to retrieve escaped convict slash Saber. The boys hide Saber from Superman so that the Man of Steel will stay longer. Eventually, they send Saber back to Earth. While Superman tours the planet, he meets the boy's sister, Zyra. The boys conspire to get Zyra to fall in love with Superman so that he will marry her. Zyra soon proposes, putting Superman into an uncomfortable situation. He solves the trouble by locating Zarther a lost space explorer, to whom Zyra was previously engaged. Zyra and Arthur renew their love, and Superman returns to Earth. Whew! Okay, so...
2: I can't believe you just read that whole thing.
0: I just, again, thank you, Mike's Amazing <laughs> World, because I just would not have had the, the patience for this. Just, I don't mean to be so down on it, because it's, it's a 50-year-old comic, right. reprinting a comic 20 years older than that, but right. I just... I will. I admit this era of Superman. I just go, oh god, oh no! Yeah. This, this is just so much. There's just o- so
2: much stuff. <laughs> I only like looking at Superman during this era. Yeah. Everything else, I just don't want to see. Yeah, I know it's it's weird for me because, like, I, and I would wonder. I wonder, like, are there super Superman super fans like me? You know, like, do does Michael Bailey or do Steve Eunice appreciate this period of time? You know, could they <laughs> or or these comics? You know, like. I, maybe Bob Fisher, like, I think Bob Fisher likes this, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I can't.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Aquaman fan. But there's a whole period of Aquaman stories I don't like. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is, but yeah, yeah. as a, as someone coming to Superman from a more distant view, I just get like, oh my God. Now, one thing worth mentioning in the middle of the book, which is in the middle of the story, cause it's the centerfold is a pinup. You get a two-page pinup, and it's it's printed vertically so you can hang it up on your wall and therefore ruin the treasury. And it's a, a <laughs> portrait of Superman by Neil Adams, and it's a piece of art that you would see on a ton of merchandise in yep. the 70s. And it's actually the cover to a treasury-sized Superman coloring book, which I have, which they, they did. They did oh, you have that one, too. They did yeah. a lot of them, yeah. That famous image of Superman running with the cape behind him. So it's one of those things where Neil Adams draws Superman – or draws Batman, and then probably polished it off in, you know, for him, probably 45 minutes. And it's something that DC could just repurpose ad infinitum because it's so iconic.
2: Yeah, we also have a Neil Adams Superman puzzle from the 70s and also a Batman puzzle, the one where his hand is coming forward and he's sort of Batman sort of sprawled across like leaping across the forest i don't know mm-hmm. anyway um i'm so yeah, sure i know the
0: pose you're thinking you're making. yeah
2: it's like classic neil adams so yeah and uh, you know what i think i'm gonna do rob i think i'm gonna open it up not pull it out but just open up it up and frame it because it, it is a really nice nice image like frame the whole
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: issue um because yeah. what else what else, is otherwise it's just sitting in a plastic thing in my closet
0: yeah you know? <laughs> so. oh did it did it come in like a little tin or like a box
2: well no it's it's in a plastic it's in a plastic uh sleeve but i think the oh you mean
0: the pinup itself i thought you meant the puzzle i see what yeah saying.
2: oh no 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 i moved on to the to the gotcha to the gotcha, 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 gotcha. All yeah right. no i'm gonna like here this is a i know this is a audio medium but i'm just gonna frame this whole thing okay I can pull it out yeah all right
0: <laughs> cool all right no, I know some people put puzzles together. and oh, then we did that too. puzzle. That's why yeah. we okay.
2: did that with a Jerry Ordway a thousand piece Superman puzzle. It was nice. So hard did it, it. took us like two two years of the pandemic. <laughs> <to do it.
0: laughs> oh, my goodness! <laughs> yeah. All right, well that's superb. All right, that's excellent. So uh, again, one of the things I do love about this this particular issue, uh, despite the fact we just kind of spent a little bit bashing the two stories, is it comes with a lot of great bonus features. This thing has a lot of really fun stuff. And speaking of that, right after. The story is another one-page little puzzle feature by Bob Rosakis, the answer man himself. The Super Game by Bob Rosakis, and it features eight members of Superman's supporting cast with their names jumbled, Mm -hmm. and then you got to figure out what it. Now, obviously, with the pictures, not hard to 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 fit together. You know, most of them. A Tex Roll, and it's well, let's Lex Luthor right there. But I got to say, the one guy, the number three, Lewis Lang. I, I had no idea that Lana Lang's father was like any sort of ongoing recurring character in the Superman universe. I kind of never heard of him.
2: Yeah. I, the ones I didn't get were three and eight. I thought, cause I thought eight for a second was Cat Grant, but then I was like, oh, <laughs> right. but Jerry Ordway created Cat Grant in right. the eighties, like 1987. So who is that? So th- there were a couple I didn't get. Um, and three also. Yeah. Three. I didn't, I didn't. No, uh lewis lang i mean i maybe in like the superboy comics her dad was a thing i, I guess but i in, mean in, in I, the- I, I, i'm a john like i grew up on john byrne and sure. beyond superman sure. so like to me lana lang was his sad neighbor and her she's <laughs> raised by her aunt isn't her aunt, her aunt right yeah.
0: But like Lana's dad here has like a pith helmet on, so I'm yeah, like, he's he like he's like a jungle explorer, he's like
2: Jacques or Cousteau or something. Yeah, yeah I'm like,
0: what, what is that? About? He's, but anyway, he's, he, um... he's Belloc from. Uh, oh, there you go. the, yeah. the Lost Ark, <laughs> finding pieces of kryptonite or something. Uh, the eighth person is Lola Barnett, who was a gossip columnist. So a Cat Grant type, like a Cat Grant type. Now she actually had a column column in the Daily Planet feature. That was in seventies DC comics and she, and now, and she was based on a real person, uh, who was a seventies gossip columnist on television.
2: Oh. And so this was like
0: their parody of her. Uh, and in fact, they parodied that character again in the Legends of the Superheroes live action special. Oh, yeah. Uh, where oh, she even the Adam joke. and Giganta who are getting married. And the joke yeah. is, Oh, she's a giant woman. He's a tiny man. That's, that's, that was their parody oh. of that, of that person. So that oh. was, well, not, so there you go. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. Louis Lang. Yeah. That one's a, that one's a new one on me. But so, that's a fun little feature. You know, it it, you made me, it,
2: a- it was a nice fresh breath of fresh air
0: after the getting through the issues yeah. grab some clip art you know put it together yeah. <laughs> bob rosakis had a you know fun hour before lunch getting that done so yeah. uh the next story is the mixes pitalik Susie alliance from <laughs> superman number 40 this is by don cameron ira yarborough and stan k The interdimensional imp, Mixes Pidalek, returns to prank Clark and Lois. A little girl named Susie sees Mixes Pidalek's pranks and tells Lois, but she thinks Susie is lying. Susie is upset that Lois has punished her, so when Mixie appears before her, they form an alliance to make Susie's fibs come true. Superman realizes that Susie is working with the imp, so he dreams up a scheme to trick Mixes Pidalek. He makes Mixie doubt his eyesight by temporarily recreating part of Zarif in Metropolis. And Mixy's Pidilic claims his eyesight is fine. Superman makes him read some billboards, one of which contains his name backwards. Mixy's Pidilic is then forced to return to his home dimension. All right, Henry, what did you think of this? I,
2: my first note is, yay, back to the '40s for a Mixie story. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice reward after it was a ridiculous story, but it's a it's a Mixy story. So, yep. and I lo- I love him. You know, I mean, I just I, every Mixy story. I don't think you can have a bad Mixy's Pidilic story because it that's the it's supposed to be stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so and i love uh 40s uh mixie in the little purple suit and mm-hmm. i like you know and as a you know and as an adolescent loving superman the animated series that oh used i can't
0: that. i can't look at mixie not hero gilbert godfrey of course yeah
2: and especially that one in that in that style you know yeah it was it was it was delightful and you know i wasn't super familiar with don cameron or irie yarborough specifically but they have lots of superman credits so fine you know it's, i'm always bummed to see oh jerry's not writing this one it's you know it's getting close to the end when i see a 40s story that he's not writing so yeah i don't know i i have a couple questions okay so Susie tompkins is lois's niece but does that mean she's Lucy's daughter or another unnamed sister? Lucy, of course, wasn't created until 1959 by Otto Binder and Kurt Swan. So, like, anytime they need – they do this on TV, too. You know, like, when someone needs a little kid to annoy them, it's like, oh, this is my niece or my nephew. But, it's like, okay,
0: Lois, who else is
2: in your family? Right,
0: right. right. <laughs> is there a Linda Lane? Is there a Lydia yeah. Lane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bob Haney loved to do that. Bob, Bob Haney introduced – a godson to Batman at one point. And you're like, wait, hold on. Like if Batman is close enough with somebody that they've made their child Bruce Wayne is their godfather. Like, is what that real? Is that, yeah. That, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the kid ends up being possessed by the devil at one point. I mean, Bob Haney just didn't care. Wow. And so uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're like, well, wait. If that's Lois's niece, who? Yeah, like, you know, but they, you know, again, they probably weren't worrying about it. They're like, okay, with you know, this is, this has to entertain kids for the month.
2: Right. And then next right.
0: month we'll just forget about it. Right, I mean, the
2: yeah. If they, they weren't counting on, like, me who like my dad's a jewish genealogist like he does he does family trees and stuff for people and and so like this is like i love that kind of stuff like i want to know the entire lane line i want to know how she's related so but they i guess they didn't have that in mind
0: no <laughs> but and then you're right like you know that when you're getting a mixy story what it's going to be it's going to be a, a lighthearted affair it's going to be superman kind of looking like a dope because that's what Mixie does. And that's, yeah. that's what you're getting. And if you don't like Mixie stories, then you're not going to like it. But you, exactly. you, you know, from the beginning, the first panel, you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be a more fanciful, goofy one because this mixes piddlex. Okay. Great. Yeah. Like no, a bizarro
2: I story and that you know, also is like that kind yeah. of, you know, bizarro can either be super dark and like sad, right. actually, right. Yeah. or crazy and kind of funny. Th- there was one moment that as I was reading this and enjoying it, very plainly for it's all it's ridiculousness. I was pretty shocked to see Lois straight up going to town on Susie's tushy. And <laughs> that was, I was not ready for that. And, and I had this like sense memory of like, where have I seen this before? And do you remember it? Did you ever have um Superman from the thirties to the seventies, that big hardcover? Have you seen yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in it is like the three part, Bizarro story where there's a baby Bizarro that comes to to Earth and it start, sort of starts out as a human baby and then he turns into a Bizarro. But anyway, oh no,
0: I don't remember that. Oh, there's Lord. a
2: point where Bizarro Supergirl on Bizarro World is spanking Bizarro
0: <laughs>
2: Bizarro baby, and because it's all Bizarroified, it's like very silly and weird, but. It was kind of shocking to see that. I guess that probably was in comics a lot when there were kids who were being naughty.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> like, did you, was that, did that shock you when you saw that? Or were you sort no. of like, that's eh, the forties?
0: No, I, I, I mean, I'm older than you, Henry. I, my dad didn't hit me as punishment on the regular, but it was non-zero. Uh-huh. It was, I gotcha. You know? So, I mean, it it, uh, yeah. it was, it, I mean, God, there's that joke in the Superman, the movie, you know, yeah, Mommy oh, oh, I know. Oh. Down and, oh, I How have I told you stop telling lies? Whap, you know. Whap, yeah. So, I mean,
2: I, I, I wrote, I, I wrote in my notes, like, uh, um, that, that exact line after that. <laughs> so that reminded me of, I mean, you know, and you, and you watch it when, when I saw it in the, I saw Superman movie in the theater a few weeks ago for the awesome. 85th birthday of Superman. They did. They showed Superman the movie and Superman two the Donner cut back to back. I was wow. exhausted. I got home at like midnight. It was insane. But <laughs> that's um, a long night. That's was five hours. Very of movie long almost. night, even yeah. for your favorite movie and favorite movie. Jace you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was long, but it was cool seeing the Donner cut in the theater. Whatever. Anyway, um, that's for another Superman movie minute. We can talk about that. <laughs> but um that scene of haven't I told you to stop telling lies. Um, there was like a nervous chuckle (laughs) when that happened. It didn't like people still were kind of tickled by it, but knew they shouldn't probably be Mm -hmm. laughing at it. So, I I guess maybe reading a 1940s comic is kind of like that, you know? It's sort of like, oh, you know, like, isn't Lois's sister going to be pissed that she was hitting her kid? I guess
1: not. No, (laughs) really not. It's like
0: you're in charge of her if you need to spank her. Go for it, sis. You got to get that (laughs) kid. If the kid starts teaming up with an interdimensional imp, you have every right to (laughs) her around. Okay. Great. That's not going to happen. Well, maybe with Lois, it might, but yeah. So that's a, but yeah, it is, it's a cute, it's a cute story. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, uh, and then we have another bonus feature, how to draw the Superman family. Yeah. And it has uh, these little panels iteration where we see. Kurt Swan as he draws Super Baby Crypto and mixed, mixed mixes Pidilic. I will tell you, as a former professional artist, this is not how you do it. Nobody draws like this. Yeah, Kurt I Swan know. doesn't draw like this. You, you know, I mean, that's the way they teach because it's meant to teach very young children. But that's that nobody does. This. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, when when I was teaching art, um, I, uh, a couple of years ago uh before I left teaching went into operations i was teaching a a comic book art class to third through sixth graders and um, they loved it it was great and i went through stanley how to draw marvel superheroes book as how to draw. And, and that's how I, cause that's how I learned. And it is very helpful to learn how to draw that way. But yes, there's no way Kurt Swain, Kurt definitely works backwards in order to do it. But yeah. it is, but when you're learning to draw, I mean, I, I grew up on those. Like, oh, I, I loved them. I, I love, love those. People, and yeah. that's kind of how I learned how to draw at a young age. You know, and the, you know, cause my, the fourth graders would be like, you know, Mr. Bernstein, how, how do you know how to draw so well? And I'm like, this is good. Like, this is terrible, but it's. You know, it's because of those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. and art school, but.
0: <laughs> so, and you yeah. Get, yeah. and you're getting, you're giving kids a little look behind the scenes. And Kurtzwan even right. draws himself right. in the corner. Very Which cute. is really charming. You know, yeah, that's really, so you're cute. like, oh, these are the real people. These are right. real people that actually do this thing. So, yeah, it's another, another. Really great little feature. So then the final story is Superman's Day of Doom. <laughs> from Superman number 157 by Jerry Siegel. Hey there, Henry. Yay. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, Kurt Swan and George Klein. The world prepares to celebrate Superman Day. An alien machine predicts that Superman will be rescued by an LL when he gets into trouble. As people gather for a parade, Bizarro delivers a gift to Superman, Kryptonite. The man of Steel Falls victim to the Rock's effects while his friends wait for him. Finally, a young baseball player named Steven Snappen rescues Superman. Initially, Superman believes the prediction of LL must have been an error, but the little boy is a little leaguer, thus fulfilling the prophecy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, okay, Henry, you're Jerry Siegel's back here.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and I... And I-, I- and paired with Kurt Swan, I mean, what a, no pun intended, super team. I wonder how often they work together. Probably pretty often. I, mean, I
0: don't think I knew that Jerry Siegel worked on Superman let's... this late into the run. So, Superman 157.
2: So he came back in 59 and he was there for 59 to 65. And that's when he was doing those Superboy uh oh, okay. stories, okay. Um, sort of um uh not credited. And I think he would do the occasional Superman uh story. Um, And his last work was in it was a Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen in 65. And then uh in 66, they stopped giving him work. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was planning the second lawsuit, which, of course, he famously lost, which of then that that was the end of it until Neil Adams rescued. Right. Beagle and Schuster and got them their pension and got them, which was a fraction of what they were owed and then Mm -hmm. got them their credits and Superman, the movie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, this is near the end. This is three years towards the end, but yeah, I wonder if he and Swan overlapped a lot. I mean, those are two, you know, that's like the Mount Rushmore right there of Superman creators, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you gotta have in any collection of Superman stories, you gotta have Kurt Swan in there right he's you not know? my
2: favorite artist there i was actually someone just posted a thing on twitter that you know of like top five favorite superman artists oh and, yeah i saw that going around yeah yeah and someone was like oh you don't have swan your. it was a top 10 list and it was like oh you don't have swan in there and i responded like swan is iconic certainly in the top 10 doesn't crack my personal top five like my personal top five would be jurgens ordway Byrne,
0: grummet um and uh gary frank Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. My, you know, I'm aging rapidly and then it's like, to me, I still think of like John Byrne as like the modern Superman (laughs) artist. I'm like, good Lord, that was 40 years.
2: I know. It's (laughs) great. I mean, I think of that too. Yeah. He's the, that's
0: the new Superman, the modern. Yeah. Of course. Oh my God. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention, the final panel. In the story, again, we'll have it in the gallery page where Superman is standing with the little kid, and he's there's like a spotlight, and he's waving to them all, and there are people are going hooray! hooray yeah. I was like, where have I seen this image before? Because I know I saw that panel and something else, and then I realized there is a I believe it was an ad for an issue of the Amazing World of DC Comics, their fanzine, uh-huh. and it was an all Superman issue, and they used this image, and uh-huh. in the ad, except they they white it out the little kid. Because, obviously, the little kid, you know, there's no reason for the kid. But it's like, this issue is about Superman. And then it's got him in front of the spotlight going, yay. Yeah. And I, and I look at this panel, and I realize the amount of whiting out they had to do. <laughs> I'm like, couldn't they just draw something new? Like, it right. seems like it was Right, it would take work. shorter to draw something new, for sure. Yeah. Like Kurt Swan was probably down the hall. Like <laughs> he just drew Superman for two and, seconds. Like, you know.
2: he was literally drawing Superman. Like that's what this guy did all day and all night. <laughs> Cause the amount, the volume of Superman stuff that came out in those days that was drawn by Kurt Swan. Oh was my insane. God. Like two monthly books plus the, you know, Superman family and the, you know, <laughs> like Superman's girlfriend, Lowe's, like, all this, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple just, I, th- this is definitely the one that I had the fewest notes about, even though I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and it's funny that I mentioned Bizarro earlier and poor guy. It's his fault. The, the plot gets going here. You know, he didn't mean to, but, um, you know, the whole LL is a thing. And yeah. when I first saw this in the table of contents and on Mike's Amazing World, I'm like, Oh, the LL thing that was, and I had that picture of that. 1970s neil adams cover where like it was like all in fire and it said like will the the letters spell superman's death and that's what i thought this was i'm like oh sweet that's a good issue but no it wasn't and (laughs) it was just like it was sort of like oh little ll stands for little league (laughs) but there was one part that kind of like was was sort of again shocked me a little bit when lois is like uh, who will Superman marry? You know, an LL comes out. And he lists all the people it might be, including Linda Lee, his cousin. <laughs> and that's not the first time or the last time there has been some, like, weird marriage stuff with his cousin, Supergirl. So I just wanted to put that Superman, in
0: Superman, no. No, no not, Superman. you are not no. from
2: Alabama. This is, <laughs> this is not right. We
0: Alabama. apologize to any listeners in Sorry, Alabama. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean that. That was uh, a cheap, <laughs> Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, then it's yeah. Superman. The, come on. What are we doing? The,
2: the other thing was uh there was there were a couple of like oops kind of things. Bizarro says bizarro, not an Indian giver. So <laughs> oops, didn't mean that one. Um and then of course the Lit, little league, wah, wah. but the last one was Luma Lainai. Do you recognize that name? Not at no. all. As one of the LLs. Nope. So it was, she was in like one issue as Superwoman, Um, you know, some sort of, she's from another planet. And okay. She's like a superhero for a brief, brief time. But I was wondering if you recognize that name. That nope. was one of the LLs. Nope. I, I I was like, who? I had to look that up. So anyway, okay. that's all. It just, you know, a couple of weird notes here and there.
0: <laughs> it's not like this story is any less, goofy or jam- overstuffed than the Ziggy and Zaggy one. Maybe it's because it was only one. Pay- it's only Jordan. one and not two. But to, to me, this just felt more cohesive or something. It's just not as tiring yeah. as the, the Ziggy and Zaggy one or something. I guess it just had like a through line. And I do like George, uh, Chris Juan drawing Superman as he's dying, he's sweating and he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's fine. You know, you get to see <laughs> Superman Look so distressed and things like that. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's cool. I, 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 enjoyed it. It was a kind of a good way to go out. Uh, and then on the inside back cover, you've got the Superman's young friends on film. And there you go. So it's like, if you hadn't really thought about it, you're like, Oh, that's the theme of this issue is super right. interacting with kids. And I used to love these things when I got the treasure. Oh, needs. cool. Cause it was because... like seeing something that. You wouldn't get to see normally. Exactly. exactly. It was like this behind is, the scenes photos. Yeah. This is pre VHS. So right. like once this stuff, unless you saw this stuff in reruns, it was like it was gone forever. And so right. they even showed you a still from the, the Superman uh, PSA. They did about for the treasury department. There's a scene from that. There's all all kinds of cool, fun stuff of Superman. And there's one with him, George Reeves, as Superman with little Ricky from I mm-hmm. love Lucy appearance where he's just mm-hmm. Superman. So that's, I, which is I iconic in TV. Yeah, History.
2: yeah, I and loved like, all these things. Even have him as Clark Kent with the whole planet staff, which is adorable. Like it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, we would watch on Sunday mornings on WGN. Um, they would show the Lone Ranger and the Adventures of Superman back to back, and we would mm. like my mom would make pancakes. We'd all watch those, go downstairs, eat the pancakes, come back and watch the Bears game. of uh, <laughs> right up in Chicago, <laughs> but like I, but once I saw that that episode of Venture Superman, that was it. I never saw it again. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like it wasn't until I was an adult I was like, Oh, I can go look up the panic in the sky episode, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so, it, it, so, so getting something like this in a comic was, was quite special in those
0: days. Yeah. I loved all that stuff. And then the back cover is the tabletop <laughs> diorama. Never. <laughs> which you can never do. This paper is much Who too thick. Who did these? Who yeah. I want names. Who did these? <laughs> do you know I, anyone that actually did that? <laughs> I don't. And I think it it tells you a lot because, like, I think if you – like, you say if you go to a comic shop, right, and you find an old Marvel from, like, the early 70s, back when they had the Marvel Marvel value stamps on the letters pages. Mm-hmm. I would say from my experience one out of every seventh marvel comic i if if i buy a marvel comic from the era of a, of the value stamps one out of every 5 6 or 7th comic that i have bought is missing the value it's stamp cut. it's cut it's cut out i have never in my life seen a treasury for sale with the back cover missing because I just, and now maybe it's because they figure it's not worth selling with the back cover missing because it's in such awful shape. But I have, I've never seen one with the back cover even cut up because that to me suggests that most kids are like, I'm not doing, this is a lot of work. Right. I'm not doing all this. You but know,
2: it's insane. Yeah. I, my, my, my five year old about to be six right now is really into, is in a, drawing and then cutting the things he drew out phase he's like Mm -hmm. you know interested in scissors and art and stuff so he's um you know he'll draw like a pokemon character and then cut it out you know Mm -hmm. and he'll be like dad this is squirtle and i'm like i don't know what that is you know but he'll do superman and other characters too so but he knows that he would never do that to a comic book, right. like <laughs> he you know, he has stacks of them sitting around. He knows where all mine are, and he knows to be careful with comic. Books. You don't do that to comic. books. So, and he and I, me too. At three years old, I knew you don't cut up comic books.
0: <laughs> I, I never see now. I didn't have the problem with that. I did that a little bit. I made collages and stuff, uh, but I just knew that this was way too much work. Like, this is just it way was more of a laziness work. thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cuts you got to make to get. Yeah, this... you got
2: to get on the dotted line. Like, how do you yeah. do that without making an uh, an incision? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I didn't have I didn't have you, the only the only as as a kid, I only would have had scissors. I wouldn't have had an exacto. Of course because not. It was too dangerous. Right. And you can't do this with scissors. Just do not give you enough dexterity. No. To make these cuts, it, they they kept the shapes. If they kept the shapes simple. Maybe you could have done it, but this is, you have to cut around, like, you'd have to cut around the kid's head and the cape and Superman oh and the feet and the, like, no, no. This is, it is this kind thing. of
2: a sick diorama. Like, I kind of want to print this out on a color printer and then cut it out. And right. I'll, I'll report back to you, Rob. All on right. The next fair treasury enough. cast.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. So Ellen accepted. There we go. <laughs> so, so that is, uh, limited collector edition number C38. It's a, it's a fine collection of Superman stories. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a nice, cross-section it's got 60s and 50s and 40s superman in here and the bonus features are fun and the cover is just to me an all-timer so uh, you know i think it's a, a really solid collection of uh, of superman stories
2: yeah totally it, it was perfectly enjoyable i will probably never open it up again <laughs> but
0: <laughs> but you own it now now you've but got I might look and... at it if, if going through my files on my computer There you go. Right. Perfect. And you only paid six bucks to get it. So you can't can't beat that. So, well, Henry, thank you so much for coming back to the show to talk Superman. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I did enjoy going through these stories again. So I always always enjoy having you on any of my shows. And so thank Thank you you. so much for for coming back. And why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the Internet?
2: Sure. Um, If you want to talk about Bob Dylan, Superman, Star Trek, professional wrestling, the Chicago White Sox. You can find me at Gonzo3249. And if you want to follow two of my podcasts, I actually have some comic, two comic related podcasts. Um, we just recorded a new episode. You, You know, the last time I was here, Rob with you on one of your shows we had just recorded an episode and then we did like a six month hiatus so um we just recorded a new episode of funny they don't look jewish and you can follow us at jewish comics pod just google that and that's sort of um it's not sort of it's a uh podcast that um looks for explicitly jewish content in superhero comics so we uh we we define that as superheroes who are saying literally I'm Jewish, um, speaking Hebrew, uh, uh, doing a Jewish ritual, like a wedding or bar mitzvah. So the thing, um, Kate Kane, people like that. Um, and so we just recorded an episode on Seraph, which I found out about basically from you, Rob, um, the great character
0: find of 1980, the best.
2: And we, uh, we reference, uh, we reference For All Mankind many, many times in gratitude. Mm-hmm. So thank you. We There was a treasure trove of information just when we were losing steam. Uh, so thank you so much for that. You can find us there. And I also, last thing, of course, I have a Superman podcast. It's called Superman and Lois and Pals. Um, We're really trying to get the conversation going about this. So please you know, give us a follow. We'd we love to get that conversation going about Superman uh, and Lois TV show uh, at Superman Pals pod.
0: Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's a lot of things. Okay. I I will ask you one question as a, cause I do not read like any modern comics anymore. So I'm completely out of date. What titles outside of Superman, presumably an action comics is Superman in regularly now? Cause you know, in, in this stage, like you were talking about, you know, he was in action and Superman and Superboy and low Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. And then eventually they folded all three of those last titles in the Superman family. But then, then they went over to DC Comics Presents, where he was a team up book. So Superman was always in as the lead feature four titles, maybe five in any given month on DC's public. Where, where is he now? What, how, how many titles does he headline? Well, I will say uh, also let's
2: not and the, let's also not forget my era, the Triangle era, the Car- Mike Carlin right. era, where he Man had four, Steel, right? four, yeah, four issues a, a month, right? So right. you know the never-ending battle, right. um, and even five on the skip weeks, Man of Tomorrow. Anyway, Superman right now is appearing in Action Comics and Superman. Okay, um, and I, I will say both have been excellent. We're kind of in a a, a golden era right now. Philip Kennedy Johnson is like. He sort of has the sentiment of, of nineties Superman in terms of the love of all the extended characters and sort of with a modern take on where Superman would be right now. And it's, it's wonderful. So anyway, action comics, Superman. Um, he's also his son, John Kent, Superboy or is Superman actually now is in a, a limited series called Superman, the man of tomorrow and Superboy Connor Kent has a limited series right now and Superman's popping up in all of these. So. Pretty much four right now. And uh yeah, it's like a great time to be a Superman comic fan. It really is. And a Superman TV fan, assuming they don't cancel Superman at those.
0: So <laughs> And then we got the movie coming out, right? And then we've got, we got, the got movie Superman movie Legacy.
2: And I will say I just want to say I want to go on record after seeing Guardians three and being really down on Marvel movies of late, because they've been not good. Guardians three. I am so confident that James Gunn Gun is going to take care of Superman, and this is Superman legacy. Is I think we're going to like it. I think I I, I really I, I'm and I'm generally positive about Superman, even when I shouldn't be. So that's all. I just
0: wanted to say that for the record. Okay, I I, I will say for the I just please just don't do Lex Luthor. That's all I ask. <laughs> just do any other villain except Lex Luthor. That's all I. I we've already we've gone. To, just please other, other than that. I'm on board, you know. Okay. Like I want a new take on <laughs> Superman, so it's all good. So yeah, well, we'll have to see. It's, just, it'll, it's supposed to come out what next not next year, right? 2025 is supposed to I come think out. 2025. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it I'm is only... written.
2: It is it has been written. He he finished it um, wow. right before okay. the strike uh and I mean, he's not allowed to do any tweaks right now. Right. If uh but I think they're in the casting phase. There's been a lot of chatter. I find this kind of chatter annoying on Twitter is the chatter about who is rumored to be playing Mm -hmm. and who will be good. No, that person would be bad. No, you're an idiot. This person would be good. (laughs) I don't know who all these 25 year old actors are, whatever, as long as they can act. (laughs) So
0: if there was Twitter in 1976, we'd be like, who's this soap opera guy, Christopher Reeve. He looked, what a, (laughs) what a shrimp. He can't do it. You know, it's like, I I mean,
2: if you remember, I don't know if you remember in 1989, like people were pissed about Michael Keaton oh yeah there had been twitter like there were articles like mainstream newspapers like the chicago tribune and new Mm -hmm. york times like panning this decision to cast them and it's like everyone just chill
0: (laughs) that's not what the internet is for so uh well awesome again henry thank you so much for coming back and all of you thank you so much for listening i want you to stay tuned i'm going to run some podcast promos and when i come back i'm going to do some listener feedback
1: Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I like Superman. Like, a lot. Like, he's my favorite character. I like him so much that I have podcasted about the Man of Steel more than any other character. Back in 2017, I started a show called It All Comes Back to Superman, to serve as the monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith. Well, the monthly thing hasn't worked out, but I'm hoping to change that in 2020. This year, there will be at least one episode a month of the show, and most of those will be part of a series I'm calling Superman is for Everybody. Superman is for Everybody springs from my desire to talk to people that have channeled their love and affection for the character into other avenues, like cosplay, or podcasting, or academia. New episodes will drop in the first or second week of the month, with special episodes popping up at random, because that's how I roll, apparently. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network, which can be found at www.fortressofbailytude.com. The show is available through Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and it's even on Spotify. It all comes back to Superman. Because really, it does. Give me a few minutes and I'll make the connection. Why are you walking away? I'm not done talking to you. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at johnreadscomics.com.
0: And now it's time for listener feedback. And these are the comments we got for episode 80 of Treasury Cast, Star Wars, with my guest, the Irredeemable Shag. First up is Brian Shufo, who says, That off-brand Star Wars logo reminds me of the Marvel Star Comics line, including Planet Terry. Ouch. Uh, Although the droids was part of that line, so I guess it all fits together, Brian. Edel Boznar says, what a nice holiday surprise, and I can't believe that this is Shag's first appearance on Treasury It's also his last. Great topic. I recall how much I used to love these Star Wars comics, i.e. the first six six issues of the ongoing Marvel series. I read and reread them back in the day. In fact, I only saw the movie long after it had come out, like sometime late in autumn of 1977, so I had already read the entire story beforehand. And I recall being a bit surprised that the scenes with Biggs and Jabba weren't in the movie at all. The comic adaptation makes Biggs in particular seem like an important character. About the art, I had to say up front that I'm a big fan of Chicken's art across the board. And after looking at your gallery page, I remembered that I preferred the art in the first few issues over the art in the last three. Now I kind of wish that Chicken had more time to do the complete art throughout so that it all looks like the first issue. And yes, I loved back then, and still loved the way Hyperdrive is depicted with the multiple colors. Anyway, great show, gentlemen. I enjoyed your perspectives on these comics, as well as the walk down memory lane, where all this stars of material was fresh, new, and exciting. Thank you, Ado. Bucky749 says, Happy Easter, everybody. Another great episode. And Shag two times today. That is a great Easter surprise. Um, <laughs> Andrew Leland says, Just started listening, so you may cover this, but it amazes me as to how how on the ball Marvel was when it came to Star Wars. If this came out on August 77, then it was on the stands before number six of the comic wrapped up the adaptation. Also, Roy Thomas was at the infamous screening of the film at Lucas's house when Brian De Palma was slagging it off, so he'd at least have an idea of what the finished film would look like. If I recall correctly, Chicken had said that he saw the film once and never felt the need to see it again. Uh David Escudiera says, uh, I wouldn't ever want to just calling Chakin Howie or two expect Chakin to say anything much about his Star Wars work. That's just darn too bad because it's good stuff. Uh Michael Bailey says, uh, the one time I heard him talk about it was years ago on an episode of Word Balloon. He said something that I've been quoting for years. When the subject of royalties came up and the fact that the royalty system was not in place then when these issues came out, Chakin said, am I better? Only in retrospect. Uh That says a lot. Fair enough. I roll my eyes a little at Chakin being so anti Star Wars, but at the same time, I could see why you would feel pretty bitter about that. You did the, you know, you set the template for the adaptation and Star Wars made a boatload of money for Marvel and you didn't get any of it. So I can understand that. Captain Entropy says, Chris, I was just like you when someone purchased me my first Star Wars treasury. Lo, those many moons of Endor ago. That said, Rob Shag and you are helping me understand that there's more than one way to see a galaxy, even if it's far, far away. Best of all, I'm neck and neck with Shag in the race to the Robbie. Who to thunk it? You're gonna beat him, Captain. I, I can guarantee that. Douglas Adamson says, I remember getting a few U- UK hardback Star Wars annuals, and I recall seeing some of the non-Star Wars movie stories. I want to say it was something to do with a massive droid runs weapon manufacturing planet, but I couldn't tell you for sure. This coverage of the original Treasure Editions and the original comics they reprinted was a revelation for me. Green humanoid job of the hut? Wow. Ben burning like fire, coloring difference on the various people, and, of course, Biggs. It's always clear to me that Biggs was supposed to be an important character just so they could kill him off. After all, it's Star Wars, and a war story should have someone you care for die. I had no idea that the original comics came out for the film and had loads of Biggs showing up. This was a great show to listen to and enlightening, even if it did feel at times like an extended podcast promo for Once Upon a Geek's Battlestar Galactic episode. Shag tends to do that, everybody. I do have one thing that stuck out here that was a big discussion about the use of English or, more accurately, Latin, alphabetic, Arabic uh, number characters, which normally don't appear in the Star Wars universe. But I recall that they were obvious in Star Wars 4, aka New Hope, at least the numbers were, in both the targeting computer screen and the animation showing the countdown until the Death Star was clearing its orbit to destroy Yavin. Finally, I know there's an award for someone who has appeared on all of Rob's podcasts. I presume there's also something similar, similar for appearing on Shag's podcast, and I don't mean a free STI screening. Would it be a shaggy? Yes, I forgot about that. That yes, we do see Arabic numbers in the targeting computer and at the end. So yeah, that my estimation that there's no English in Star Wars is not exactly correct. We don't see English, English. We don't see letters, but we do see numbers. So I was I was wrong about that. I can't believe I forgot considering how much time I spent watching Star Wars, especially the scenes of the targeted computer, which is like you know, burned into my brain. Scott McFadden says, now this takes me back. I had both of these tragedies as a kid and read them repeatedly. So many of the images, like the hyperspace jump, Ben being zapped by the lightsaber, and the full-page Death Star explosion are absolutely seared into my memory. I even remember the little note about Chewbacca getting a medal that he would have to put on himself. Kudos to Roy for correcting that injustice. The fact is, both this and the Star Wars novelization credited to George Lucas, but actually written by Alan Dean Foster were my primary memory of Star Wars for quite a while. I saw the movie two or three times on its initial release, but then it was gone from theaters. And of course, there was no videotapes or anything like that, but I could still read the comics and the novelization. They sort of overlaid the film and uh, overlay the film itself in my memory. So for a long time, as far as I was concerned, Luke's call sign was blue five. Biggs was a prominent supporting character and Jabba was a green guy with mutton chops. When the movie was re-released a few years later, I had to readjust my memories. It was kind of a weird experience. I also had that Battlestar Galactica Treasury, so I think I'll listen to Once Upon a Geek Show as well. Wonderful, fun episode, guys. I loved it. Thank you, Scott. Roger Cassell says, I love the period of Star Wars that wasn't governed by style guides and corporate oversight. These issues certainly fall within that time frame. I hadn't read this issue in years, so I had to stop your podcast, to out my treasure editions, read them, then go back to your podcast. I still have my Battlestar Galactica Treasury from my childhood, so I got that out, too. Reading them back-to-back back did indeed bring me some joy. Looking forward to that BSG episode mentioned in the Star Wars episode. Thank you, Roger. Alexander M. says, this is a really welcome trip down memory lane. I used to read a Star Wars Treasury edition of the second issue. All those panels are very familiar to me. Read them hundreds of times as a kid. Didn't own it. It was at my grandparents' place and my cousins, and I read it together there. Shared ownership. I think someone bought it from the States. There's something about the dynamic composition and a lot of the panels that really captured the feeling of action and adventure here. Hard to believe it was shaken because of all the other artists would seen him do later in life when I actually knew about writers and artists behind the comics. Michael Bailey comes back to say, great episode. I love hearing you both talk about Star Wars. The love you have for the franchise in general and these comics in particular is just heartwarming. Paul Gan from this very network says, great show as always, Rob. Nice for you to continue to give new podcasters a chance. Uh, only thing to add was that Marvel eventually did do a Star Wars magazine for Return of the Jedi, Marvel Super Special 27, slick look. Yeah, that is true. Um, They did also a separate miniseries. The Return of Jedi. It's so strange and that Marvel adapted Empire within the normal Star Wars comic. It's like issues 31 through 44, something like that. But then Return of the Jedi was given its own miniseries and not done in the regular book. I always wondered why that was. Uh, Brett Young says, great show, Rob and Shag. Always nice to hear the OGs back together, complete with Shag interrupting to add corrections and Rob exhaustive size. It's gold, Jerry, gold. I absolutely, uh, I'm I never had the Star Wars Treasury, but I still have my beat to hell black and white paperback version, which came out in November of 77. I absolutely love the chicken art in The first Few Chapters. All the art is great, in fact. My favorite moments of artistic license are, one, Vader casually floating a cup of coffee to himself as he force chokes Imperial Officer. How's he going to drink that? Maybe Mel Brooks read this comment Two, Chewbacca's gray mustache turns light brown by chapter three. The Falcon must have a stash of just-for-men hair products. Three, Jabba Thud's Pepper look, complete with fleshy mutton chops. Extra points for his chubby henchman with a grain crew cut. Four, Obi-Wan looking like the cat from Christmas Vacation after Vader nails him with the lightsaber. Five, and not one, but two separate smooching sessions for brother and sister. Just a terrific collection. Like Sag said, it's a shame they didn't include the covers for the fixed six individual issues. They're awesome and have almost zero connection as to what's actually happening in the story. If Lucas had filmed the Cantina Brawl like it looks on issue two's cover, it would have made the movie twice as good. That cover was seared into my brain as a child. Quick Star Wars story. I was six when Star Wars came out. Leading up to the movie release, you could send away to Kenner for the Luke Skywalker figure ahead of time. I begged my dad to get it for me. A few weeks ago, a few weeks go by and my dad excitedly hands me a box. I tear it open and there is a small metal C-3PO on a necklace chain. I have no idea where he got it or why he thought C-3PO was Luke Skywalker. The C-3PO's arms moved. So I guess he thought that's what an action figure was. I couldn't hide my disappointment. My dad was crestfallen. He felt awful. Or more accurately, I made my dad feel awful with the look on my face. He did end up sending away for the figure. And eventually I got the Luke Skywalker in the mail I always felt bad about the way I handled it. Fortunately, my dad is still around, and we laugh about it to this day. Now, as a father of three and myself, I have endured the sight of disappointment on my kids' faces due to a failure on my part. It's allowed me to better understand how my dad must have felt that day. And with that understanding, it provided me the wisdom to look them in their sad eyes and say, hey, you effed up. You trusted me. And then Brett follows with, by the way, that's an Animal House joke, just so no one thinks I'm a monster. Uh <laughs> Brett, you don't know how tempting it was to just leave that last comment out uh, here in the episode. uh, Jason Lady says, fun podcast. I didn't have the Treasury edition of this, but I do have the six individual issues. I was able to recall 99.8% of what you guys talked about. The extra scenes of Biggs talking to Luke on Tatooine and Luke meeting up with Biggs on Yavin were also in the novel adaptation of the movie by Alan Dean Foster, and still some of those scenes were in the movie storybook for kids. Surprised you guys didn't mention those scenes were cut from the original print of the film but added back in for the special editions in the late 1990s. Red Squadron, Blue Squadron. So it was originally blue, and that's the version that made it into the comics and the novel. But it was changed in post-production because they realized blue screen effects wouldn't work with X-Ring models that sported blue stripes on them. So they were changed to red. Did not know that. The off-model version of Jabba that we see in the comic is not something Marvel made up. He's actually a background alien from the most Eisley scenes. Check him out here. And then Jason provides a link to a character called Mosip Binid. Not sure why the mix-up happened. That alien was never intended to be Jabba. English writing in Star Wars universe. The tractor beam controls that Ben Kenobi turns off originally had English words on them. At some point Lucasfilm altered it. Close-up scenes so easy to change. Uh I have the entire set of Marvel Star Wars issues 1 through 107. My Wheelhouse is probably issues 60 through 107. Love them. In some cases they did a better job with the EU stuff than the novels did. Some great comic some great original characters like Kiro, Danny, Rick Duell, Valance the Hunter, Den Silva, Lumia, Knife and Bay. If you guys ever do a podcast on these comics count me in as a guest. And then my guest Shag followed up with Moset Binid, mind blown. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that either. I didn't know that there was even a character. I think I kind of remember seeing him in the Cantina. I mean, again, I'm surprised that any part of Star Wars has faded from my memory, but I'm old now. Uh but but uh, you know at the same time, I'm like we oh, don't have to fix everything, you know. <laughs> Some things could just be a mistake. Um and then finally uh steve adds he says hey guys really enjoyed Treasury kiss number 80 even though i was alive and kicking in 77 i never bought the treasuries i didn't know they existed until many years later i was content with my saturday morning cartoons that's right i said mine and the primetime superhero shows on tv at that time okay about star wars you were talking about biggs and luke's other friends on tatooine that were cut out from the film but appeared in the books biggs was played by canadian actor garrick hagan working in england he appeared in a John Pertwee Doctor Who serial right before Star Wars. You can also find him in the documentary, *Elstree Tree, 1976, where many extras, secondary and masked actors were interviewed about their time working on A New Hope, Superman and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just my two cents. Now I need to listen to the rest of the shows on the fine water podcast network. So I know everything about everything like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is our tagline. We know everything about everything. Uh Anyway, thanks for all the comments. Uh, the Star Wars episode really generated a lot of commentary. I didn't even read everything that we got in on that episode. Uh, it was totally fun to do. It was great having Shag on the show. And so, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for the comments. And big thanks to Henry Bernstein for coming back and talking Superman with me. It was always a lot of fun. I love talking to Henry no matter what subject we are covering. And so I really appreciate him coming back on, on TreasureCast. It was a total blast. You can find all the back episodes of Treasury Cast on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show and in Podcatcher of Your Choice. We're always talking treasuries over on Twitter at Treasury Comics. And then finally, if you want to support the Findwater Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash FW Podcast. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Jeff Pullier. Brett Young and Mark Balbus for their support of Treasury Cast. I really appreciate it. So that's good to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next month. But until then, go big or go home.
1: Hey, Mom, look. Uh huh. Yeah, honey. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. You go again again no i'm sorry only one ride to a customer